0: time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom
1: i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god and they've got a vision and a mission for their life
0: all right all right, all right. everybody say elephants. elephants they are everywhere they are here they are among us <laughs> Hey, tonight, you guys, is going to be our final night in this elephant series. How many of you enjoyed? Feel like you're learning something? Feel like you're growing? Relationship, knowledge of God, knowledge of the scriptures. Um, tonight, at the end of service, I want to encourage every single one of you, we uh, love to finish each series with some kind of physical representation. We call them tokens around here. So we have incredible tokens that we've kind of worked on for some hours uh, throughout the this last couple of weeks. And so we'll be putting that in your hand tonight. Tonight, I've asked a really great friend and a fellow new lifer. This is Professor Mayfield. Everybody say, Professor Mayfield. <laughs> He's awesome. Actually, that would be. So one of our incredible home team members, Shay, is actually in his class. He's a college professor uh, here locally, and uh, he was actually a youth pastor for some years uh, before he went on uh, to get his counseling degree. And so tonight, we're going to jump right in. You know, in this elephant series, we've kind of presented in different ways. You guys, we've, I've preached to you a little bit. We've had panels tonight. I wanted to do a little bit more of an interview style because the things that we're going to be covering, and again, just to remind some of you who haven't been here, these were your questions that you submitted to us, no matter how difficult they were, no matter how, whatever, we really wanted to answer even the difficult questions so that there would be no elephants in the rooms of our hearts. Nothing's off limit. The word of God is completely relevant and applicable to any situation, any circumstance, any point of discussion, anything that's taking place in our culture today. And so I'm going to pray for us right quick. And then me and um, my different, we're going to jump right in. And so we'll go through the series of questions just as we have been going through. So everybody, would you just bow your heads with me real quick? Father, we just thank you so much for the power that is in your word, and we ask you that tonight you would speak to us in such a relevant way tonight, Jesus. We are asking that you would come and that your word would be truth tonight, no matter how convenient or inconvenient. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, about you and, then, uh, and then we'll jump right into the questions.
1: Sounds good. Um, my name is Mark. I have been at New Life for about two years. I've got two little girls. So if you see me in church chasing after somebody, it's probably my daughter. I've got a seven-year-old and then a two-year-old. And uh, very grateful to be a dad to two little girls. Um, My two-year-old just got healed from breaking her arm about seven weeks ago. So if you imagine a two-year-old walking around in a cast or a sling, it was not a lot of fun. Um, I've been in Colorado 24 years from California, was a youth pastor in, you can feel sorry for me when I say this, Breckenridge, Colorado. Oh, whatever. Got to go skiing every morning and then go to work. It was awesome. Awesome. Um, but I love uh, working with your age. Uh, I think God has uh, placed you on this earth to be uh, world changers. Amen. And sometimes we get things in the way. Yeah. So I've been where you're at. And you're going to hear a little bit of my testimony tonight and how God has brought me out of some of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. So thank you for having me.
0: Cool. So let's jump right in. Question number one or one of the questions. Many of these questions were phrased differently. Um, and so we'll start off number one. Um, several of you just kind of posed this. What if God didn't mean to make me? What if he didn't really mean to make me? How would you answer that? How would you answer that, Mark?
1: I think it's interesting. I think, uh, I don't know, from my own personal uh, past, I, I felt like I was a mistake uh, just because of what I went through when I was in middle school and high school. And so um, I think it's a really honest question, and I'm not going to make anybody raise their hands, I'm not going to make anybody stand up, and, you know, but I think all of us have wrestled with that if we're really honest with ourselves. Did God make a mistake? And I want to go to a a couple passages, we're going to be hitting the Bible quite a bit tonight, which is, you know, the truth's in God's Word, right? Um, And that's the only place that we can find absolute truth. And so let's go to to Psalms, if you've got your Bible open, Psalms 139, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, um, because it really was what spoke to me during my time of darkness. And it says this, Psalms 139, 13. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret place. Intricately woven, think about that, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed being, my unformed substance, and in your book were written every day of my life before there was none of them. And I just want to break that down real quick for a minute, and then I'm going to share a little bit about my journey so you know that I'm, I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. Take a look at the word formed. Formed. It means to create, to buy, or to qu- acquire. It's not something that was just thrown together. Okay? So if we were a mistake, you think it would just be haphazard, we'd just yeah. show up. Right. And then he go in and says knit. Anybody have a grandmother that knits? Okay, one time. Anybody have some, a friend or mom that knits? Right? Have you ever tried knitting? Okay. Just take a look if you've got a hoodie on right now. Look at, look, at, look at how it's put together. Look at your shirt. Look at your T-shirt. It's knit together. Does this just happen? No. Just show up on a uh, clothing rack, <laughs> right? Somebody put a lot, a lot, a lot of work into that. And so when, when he says, you knitted me together in my mother's yeah. womb, yeah. that was something that was not haphazard. It took time, it took purpose, it took effort. And the Hebrew says to weave, to shape, to craft, to create. And then these last two I think are really important. Fearfully and wonderfully. You know what fearfully means? To be honored. The Hebrew says it's to be honored and wonderfully. To be unusual or unique. Now, I think we have a bad connotation with that. To be unusual or unique means we're kind of weird, right? No, it means you're one of a kind. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. It means that there's nobody else like you. And so once, one, uh, an individual in my life when I was in middle school, uh, actually in high school uh, after coming out of my thing, spoke this into me and said, if God made a mistake when he created you, he wouldn't be God. Yes. Let me say that again. If God made a mistake when he made you, he wouldn't be God, because God does not make mistakes.
0: That's good. That's good. So you're
1: probably going, okay, wait a second. What does this guy know what he's talking about? He's got gray hair, you know, he's a professor. Um, so I won't go into the great details, but I just want to let you know, when I was in middle school, I was unique.
0: code for weird?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was born two and a half months premature, and so my development was just off. And so for some reason, and I'll get to heaven and ask God this question someday, um, but my legs grew faster than my torso. Mm. Anybody seen Family Matters, Steve Urkel? (laughs) Throwback. Yep. I was the white version. (laughs) I had the glasses. I had the uh, braces. I had the, the... pants that were supposed to look like they were up to your, you know. Um, and just imagine that for a minute. <laughs> imagine this face in that. Um, but you know the world can be cruel, right? Yeah. And unkind. And uh, every day of middle school, I was shoved into a locker. I was beat up. I was put into a trash can. I was called names that I won't repeat in here. Um, and I thought I was a mistake. I had great, great parents, great family. But sometimes the world is louder than what's at home sometimes, right? Yeah. And I fell into uh, a deep depression. And so I won't get into detail, but um, about halfway through middle school, I tried to take my life. Because I thought I was a mistake. Thankfully, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, thankfully that I that, uh, was being watched over by, by angels um, and started to get counseling and, and, and then met this person that spoke that into me, that if God made a mistake, he wouldn't be God because God doesn't make mistakes. Wow. So I know a little bit of maybe what you're going through and that's why I'm passionate about this. Yeah. Um, so and so you're thinking probably, maybe I'm just reading in your mind, you're thinking probably, okay, that all sounds good. Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Uh, maybe you've heard that before, but it doesn't resonate with you, right? You don't feel it. Uh, it, doesn't f- it doesn't sit with you at all. So I want to read a couple things and see if this just kind of maybe makes you think twice about this idea of being fearfully and wonderfully made, okay? And I'm a little bit of, I'm still a nerd. I'm proud of it now, right? I mean, I'm about three months away from getting my doctorate, so like I have to be a nerd to do that, right? Yes. Um But I love the brain. I love the body. Hear, hear this. If, if we were not fearfully and wonderfully made, why does our brain have 100 billion neurons? Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how, what makes us us. If we weren't fearfully and wonderfully made, why would our brain on each of those neurons have 1,000 to 10,000 connections on an average of 40,000 connections? Talking to itself, right? It's it's communicating and I believe it's it's the, the fingerprint of God. Yeah. Our brain has eighty six billion brain cells just in our brain. So if we weren't feel-froming and wonderfully made, what's yeah. with that? Wow. Now, now next time, how many of you have been to the beach? Love the beach? Yeah. Right? I've been I've been in Colorado twenty four years. I miss California every day because I miss the beach. <laughs> But next time you're at the beach, next time you find a piece of sand, pick it up. Just a piece, not a whole handful, just a piece. Yeah. Put it in your hand. Okay, here's the thing. The size of a grain of sand of your brain tissue has 100,000 neurons and 1 billion connections. And a grain of sand. So if we weren't knit together, fearfully and wonderfully made, what's with that? <laughs> Now, my wife doesn't think this is funny um, because she's been pregnant, but uh, as a baby develops in the womb, in the first trimester, it actually makes 250,000 new neurons every minute. If it continued through pregnancy, the baby would weigh 1,000 pounds at birth. Think about that for a minute. But if we weren't fearfully and wonderfully made, right? What's up with that? I love this next one, and and I'll I'll end with this one. I've got I could go forever. So if you want to know more, I can send you more. Uh, Well, two more. The first sense to develop in the womb is touch. Isn't that cool? Hmm. And touch develops not at the third trimester. Touch develops at eight weeks. Wow. Eight weeks in the womb, and it's the lips. The rest of the body feels touch at 12 weeks. If we weren't created in the image of God, what's with that? This last one, you can go actually blow your friend's mind away at at, at school. Um, If you were holding, if you could, if this would work, right, and you hold a light bulb in your hand, your brain puts off enough energy to power that light bulb for a day. That's pretty cool. 23, 23 watts. So let me ask you this. Just think about this and ask yourself this question. If I wasn't fearfully and wonderfully made, what's up with that?
0: Yeah. Come on. So good. Wow. Mind blown. (laughs) You guys, next question we'll move to. We have a couple more that we'll get to tonight. What does the Bible say? So questions that you guys submitted. What does the Bible say about self-harm? And obviously, self-harm has been expressed or demonstrated a myriad of different ways from cutting to uh, burning to all sorts of things. But one question was, what does the Bible say about self-harm? And here's the deal, you guys. We want to—it's a little bit different of a night tonight. And those of you who say, gosh, I've never struggled with that my whole life. Well, like maybe, like just maybe, the Lord is releasing wisdom and truth to you mm-hmm. because perhaps— yeah. Somebody in your world, the Lord wants to use you to reach out to as well. And so every single one of you, I want you to dial in and be all the way engaged because there's some truth here that the Lord wants to equip you for, for being salt and light to your friends. And then it's honestly true. There are people in this room that struggle with every single one of these things that we're covering tonight. So really, really sensitive tonight. So what does the Bible say about self-harm? It's a touchy subject, isn't it? And I want to just preface it with this. Where the Spirit
1: of the Lord is, there is what?
0: Liberty. Liberty, freedom. freedom. Yeah.
1: Okay? And so I want you to think about it through this mind, because there can be a lot of shame and a lot of guilt associated with self-harm. And there's, there's no place for that in here. Mm. Okay? There's freedom in here. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And I want you to read this through the eyes of being free. Yeah. Okay? Because I think when we look it through the eyes of what we struggle with, there could be some shame or guilt that yeah. Satan tries to bring in with this. 1 right. Corinthians six nineteen 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not of your own. You were, I love this. You were bought with a price. Yeah. So glorify God with your body. Because this is a touchy subject, I want to be very sensitive to this. And so if you want to talk more afterwards, I'm going to hang out afterwards and we can talk. Um, But there are a lot of reasons we cut. And I say we because when I was going through that period, uh, I tried anything to feel better. And and cutting was one thing. Mm. And we do, we cut for, there's a reason, right? It's not just, oh, it sounds like fun. I'm going to cut myself. I'm going to burn myself. No, nobody in their right mind would do that. But a lot of times we we jump into that because there is no healthy release for our emotions. Mm. There's no healthy release um, for what maybe has been done to us or what we have done to ourselves or the choices that we've made. And it builds up. Just emotions and emotions build up and build up and build up. And if you don't have an outlet, eventually what's going to happen?
0: Well, everything we're talking about tonight. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I want to, see if any of you, I would just want to know if any of you have any friends, family members who you know who are kind of struggling with even cutting right now, like just lift up your hand really high. Wow. Yeah, look around the room. Wow. From junior high to high school to young adults in this room tonight. Thank you. And we won't say if you are, you don't have to raise your hand, but here's the deal, you guys. This is why we're covering this, because the Spirit of the Lord really does. Care. God really does care. And I love this verse so much as as myself and Mark were kind of processing through these questions. It's amazing what happens whenever we begin to realize that we are not our own. To name the name of Christ and desecrate something that does not belong to us. We were talking about, it. it's kind of like the same, if Mark, you know, whatever vehicle he drives, or a sports car, whatever, and I just went and took a key and just whoosh, or poured paint all over it. That's an issue because that's not mine. And part of it too is, hey, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. And so we also want to bring truth and say, this is why this is a, a sin issue. Now, like any other sin it's a symptom of something. so just say oh that's wrong okay well most of us probably know it's wrong but some of us don't and so even as you're sharing truth with friends or if you're struggling this is a sin Mm -hmm. so the start of the remedy of sin is always what how do we rectify sin anybody dear god help (laughs) us (laughs) repent everybody say repentance (laughs) it's still a thing (laughs) so we repent and then we say lord now that I've been forgiven, I need you to come in and heal me. Amen. Does that make sense? So please continue, Mark. So people cut because there's not a healthy way Mm-mm. to release the emotion. So what you're saying is that every single one of us have a way of releasing emotions, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it could be eating, exercise, talking with a friend,
1: watching a movie, uh, pornography. I mean, stuff you've covered already, right? There's all those different ways that we release unhealthy emotion, or not unhealthy emotions, healthy emotions right. that have no way to nowhere to go. Yeah. And as I was praying, I mean, guys, I I was supposed to work today, and I prayed for you most of the day today. And as I was pouring over this, and God brought this to mind, and I never looked at this passage this way. Um, but I think one of the way, one of the reasons that that I cut. Uh, a lot of people cut, maybe your friends cut, you cut I mean, if you are in the self-harm area, is that we, f- we feel like we deserve it. Mm. We, we feel guilt, we feel shame, we feel somehow because if we go down that line of I'm a mistake, then I can't do anything right, so I m- must deserve this. Mm. And here's the thing too, right? After a while, our body will release a chemical called endorphin to modulate the pain, and that feels good. So then it can become an addiction. Mm-hmm. But I want you to look at this, and I never looked at this verse this way Isaiah 53 4. It says, Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he yes. was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement That brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Mm. And it struck me. I was doing to myself what God already did for me on the cross. Wow. And so if you're struggling with that today, think about that for a minute. You are doing to yourself what God has already done for you on the cross.
0: It's powerful. It's powerful.
1: And what we need to do is repent. What we need to do is go towards a healthy community and people that love you, yeah. and that it's not easy. It took me a while to stop. I heard this, I knew this, I felt this, but it became such a go-to thing for me that it was. It took some time, and I believe, I believe, I believe, I've seen it. God heal, yes. like that, on mission trips. Yeah, you know, in my own family, yeah. and yet there are times that God doesn't, so He can walk with us.
0: Yes, processional.
1: Okay, yeah. So, very short on a very deep topic, but if you need more, come talk to any anybody in the on the DLA or myself. But I want I want. It's worth repeating. If Christ did that on the cross, we don't need to do it to ourselves.
0: It's so powerful, Mark. It's so so powerful. So uh, finally tonight, and this is kind of where we're going to spend the rest of our time before we ready to kind of conclude tonight. So one of the next questions that so many, so many had asked and so many of you, and I wanted, it, even as we were kind of dialoguing about this, because it um, can oftentimes become a catchphrase. Um, the next question, how do I overcome suicidal thoughts, loneliness, and or depression? How do we overcome? What really brings that out? And one of the things that I want to mark from a, from a professional and an academic standpoint to really speak into this idea of, okay, suicidal thoughts, most of us know what that is, loneliness, we know what that is, but I want you to really define for us what is depression because a lot of times we'd say, if we were to ask you how many of you feel like you've been in depression before, or currently probably many hands would go up. And I think that sometimes because of erroneous uh, teaching or understanding, well, I'm just depressed. And it's like, no, you're just having a bad day. Like, we, <laughs> like the world is in the depression, you know, right. and so the great depression, all of these different things. And we don't want to make light, but we want to have an understanding before we just start accepting labels upon ourselves and start speaking things that really aren't. You. No, you're not, you know, or maybe are. And so I want you to define for us and then help us really understand what is clinically what, is, what does it mean to be depressed and what are the signs of that as well, Mark? Okay. Well, something that you probably guessed. So when I was in
1: middle school, they diagnosed me with clinical depression. Mm. It doesn't go away, right? And so I carry a diagnosis of clinical depression to this day. Um, and there are bad days and there are good days and mostly good days now, which is awesome. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's interesting, it's a catchphrase now. I mean, you hear it on TV shows, oh, I'm depressed, or I, yeah. you know, the other one I don't like because I'm bipolar, and that's, you know, ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but depression is not something that, I mean, I don't, don't want to put guilt or shame on this, but it's not something to be messed with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wouldn't just go throwing that out there. Um, so what is depression? It's not having a bad day, right? And let me tell you, as, as teenagers, as you are going through puberty, and you maybe have some family issues, or you're just trying to figure out who you are, uh, your days could go up and down and left and right and backwards and upside down and sideways, right? Yeah. Um, and it feels depress- like depression. Depression is actually a physiological disorder, where our body, the way God designed it, and thanks to the fall, yeah, Adam and Eve, sin, sin um, our bodies aren't supposed, aren't functioning the way they're supposed to, right? How many of you have watched TV and and seen commercials for SSRIs and serotonin reuptake inhibitors and all that, you know, and all the side effects sound worse than actual depression. Um, (laughs) But what depression is, it's actually a depletion of our serotonin neurotransmitter. And our serotonin neurotransmitter is what actually helps us um, go to sleep at night And uh, it turns itself into melatonin, and our receptor for a serotonin receptor is actually right here. So the first thing to hit it in the morning is the sunlight, and it's supposed to start producing serotonin and wake us up. If you're depressed, like myself, that thing is malfunctioning, right? And so it doesn't convert enough serotonin to make us feel good. There's other neurochemicals in there, dopamine, you know, norepinephrine, all that kind of stuff. But serotonin is really the one that goes with depression. And so there are a lot of things that we can do to to help that, right? And so one of the things that that I always, so here's the thing. Um, I don't believe in labels. I believe labels are a way for for Satan to distract us from really what what God has called us to, right? Amen. So at my counseling practice with my counselors, we don't diagnose. Um, unless somebody's making us. But we don't take insurance, so we don't have to diagnose, which is kind of nice. Um, but we don't diagnose for a reason, because I don't want you walking around with a label. I don't want you, one, walking around with a label thinking that something's wrong with you, but two, I don't want you walking around with a label and using it as an excuse. Come on. Right? We have a choice. That's
0: good. It's so we have good.
1: a choice. And the choice is this. Who are we listening to? And I have to wake up every morning and ask myself, who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the voice of the shepherd, mm. Jesus, Abba Father? Or am I going to listen to the voice of the thief, Satan? And some days I choose not to listen to the Father. Yeah. And those are the days that my depression really ramps up. There are days I, with, with depression comes anxiety, right? They go together and panic attacks. Um, there are days that my wife will come upstairs and go, where's, where's Mark? And I'm under my desk with a cold glass of water and a, you know, a, a washcloth over my head because I didn't make the right choices that morning and got my day going wrong. Every morning you've got a choice. And I would hate for you to walk around with that choice of, of, of depression. And maybe you do. Okay, right? He- hear me on this. Maybe you do have a diagnosis of depression. And many of us do or anxiety or something else. Don't let that define you. So good. Because if you do, you're never going to be used by the Father the way He wants to use you. Yes. And I, I, uh, I really feel like there's some people in here that need to hear this tonight. And so I want to take some time on this. Um, and so however you get comfortable, okay, if, if you need to lie down, if you need to sit down, if you need to close your eyes, put your head down, whatever you need to do, I want you to hear this passage and I want you to hear what I believe the Holy Spirit needs, needs you to hear tonight on this. Because here's the thing, it starts with thinking that you're a mistake and you start buying those lies. Yeah. Right? And then it leads to depression or anxiety or, or even maybe not a diagnosis, but feeling that way. And then the lies believe that you're, you're going that way. But, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So I want you to just get comfortable, uh, and I want you to listen to this passage, John 10, 1 through 18. And I'm reading from the message because I think he says it the best. He says, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through a fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. He's a sheep stealer. The sheep walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. That's key. The sheep recognizes his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Jesus told this simple story and yet people had a hard time understanding him. And so he tried it again. He says, I'll be explicit. I am the gate for the sheep and all those who are up to no good, sheep stealers, every one of them, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for will be, and will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came so that they can have life. Listen to this. Real life eternal life, life more abundantly and better than you ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him, and he sees a wolf coming and runs for it. And the sheep are ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money, and the sheep don't matter. Hear this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. The same way the Father knows me and I know the Father, I put the sheep before myself. Go back to Isaiah 53. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary, and he did. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen and I'll gather them and bring them too and they'll recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me because I am freely laid down my life and so I am free to take up it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. And I've received this authority from the Father. So follow the train of thought. If you thought your life was a mistake, remember God doesn't make mistakes. So if you if you still think he makes a mistake, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. But follow that that line of thought. If you made a mistake, I have depression, I don't feel good about myself. And you choose these different ways to, to release those emotions. What do you believe in? You believe in the lie. And here's the thing, we all have wounds, guys. There's not one person in this room that does not have a wound. And it might be big or small to the person sitting next to you, but it's yeah. big to you yeah. and it matters. So don't, don't diminish it, okay? Okay. But when we listen to the lie, we begin to believe the stories. Yes. And we begin to believe the stories, we begin to tell ourselves those stories. Yeah. And it becomes a part of who we are. And like I said earlier, then we, then we start thinking that we deserve it, right? We start to thinking somehow this is our lot in life. There's nothing I can do to change. And we choose self-harm. We choose to sit in depression or anxiety or loneliness. And we think that's as good as it gets. And we settle for it. I settled for it. I thought this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Not going to get any better. Yeah. And this is what I call chasing the lie. You're chasing this lie. You're trying to do everything you can to make yourself feel better and you're not really going to the source. You need to listen to the voice of Jesus. And what it did to me, I kept on chasing the lie because it promised something, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It promised fulfillment. It promised right. feeling better. It promised getting better. And every time, it was more emptiness, more loneliness, more distress. So I want you to just answer this question in your head. What lie have I been chasing? Mm -hmm. What lie have I been chasing? What happens when we speak things into the light? Mm -hmm. They receive, we can't hide it anymore, right? So if you have been chasing a lie, I challenge you to speak that into the light with people that care for you and love you because then you have a chance to let the Holy Spirit just wash over it and heal it. Amen.
0: You know, it's so encouraging to know that, again, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. Is profitable, beneficial, relevant mm. to where we are, no matter what we're facing. As the worship team prepares to come tonight, and we'll get ready to close, I want you to just jot down this vert passage of scripture: One Kings nineteen two through seven. So, One Kings chapter nineteen two through seven. And on this whole idea of depression and loneliness, and you know, even this these negative thoughts and all of that. You know, it's so interesting because one of the most amazing men of God in the Old Testament was the prophet Elijah. Yeah, yep. And he found himself in the midst of a depression. He had just finished being so victoriously used to, 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 to um, call down fire from heaven. And this one Jezebel, this evil, evil woman begin speaking. And it's so cool. And you can read this, read the story. We don't have time to go there. But a couple of things that I love with Elijah's interaction, because God came and he just visited Elijah. And there's some things that I found even in scripture, isolation in times of hurt are always Satan's strategy to attack you. Mm,
1: Yeah.
0: Isolation in times of hurt are always Satan's tactic and strategy to attack you another thing that I found in times of depression lots of pain that you were talking about because all of this is pain. we don't know what to do with pain and you guys some of you we're not minimizing because I know some of your stories and I meet with you and I get your Instagram direct messages and Facebook messages and everything else emails and our staff and your cadre leaders so we know we're not minimizing your pain. But here's the deal. Uncontrolled emotions will always exaggerate circumstances. Yes. Elijah was in a moment where he starts telling God, God, I'm the only person that's left. I'm the only one serving. And the Lord's like, no, Elijah, that's actually not true. That's your emotions. Because uncontrolled emotions will always exaggerate circumstances. And then finally, the interaction with Elijah and God in this particular passage of scripture, 1 Kings 19, God begins to tell Elijah, you still have purpose. There's still a reason why you're on this yes. planet. Rise up and yes. eat and get about, get about your father's business. And so this is what I found sometimes rather than pity, we need a prompting of purpose. Amen. It's like Mark was saying, you have, we have a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. He has a choice every single day and God has empowered us to make those choices as well and so tonight we'll end in a little bit different of a way as well and there is and we'll just kind of spend some time in prayer I want to give Mark kind of like the final thoughts here tonight and then we'll go into a time of worship and praying together but any final thoughts that you feel like God even just put on your heart for this um for our amazing students tonight I think one of the biggest lies that Satan will tell us is that nobody
1: else knows how you're feeling. Mm. And, and I can tell you right now, there's one person that does and it's Jesus. Yes. And you may not know what that feels like. You may not know what that looks like. And, and I wanna take just a minute um, to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And I want that to be the posture of your heart as you, as you, as you worship tonight. You might have come with a friend tonight and don't even know who Jesus is. This is new to you. Maybe you've known Jesus for a long time and this is new to you. But our choice right now is do we come? And in Matthew 11, he offers up this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Christ already bore everything that you're going through on the cross and Satan wants you to believe that you have to hold on to it you have to figure it out you have to do this and that's a lie yes. the truth is It's all been paid for. It's all been healed. And I would hate to see anybody go through what I went through. And so if you need healing tonight, if you need prayer tonight, if you want to accept Jesus for the first time tonight, he's here waiting. He's always been here waiting. So I want you just to reflect on where you're at, and what is God asking you to do? And I'd love, I know we'd all love to talk to you afterwards
0: if you want to. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mark. As you just kind of remain seated tonight, and we can bring down the lights just a little bit. You know, every single one of us are in a different place. Every single one of us have different things that are going on and taking place in our lives and our hearts. The big deal is that you know that Jesus cares, is that you know that Jesus sees you, he sees your friend, he sees your situation, he sees your circumstance, and as we just prepare to go into a time of worship tonight, we just want you to respond to him.